1: Hello and welcome to another video and podcast from fantasyfootballscout.co.uk. My name is David and today I'm joined by Aaron who is here to help us with some UCL fantasy. That's right, it's match day two of the biggest and best competition in European football. Uh, The UCL fantasy train is fully out of the station. Um, We've had one round of matches so far, we've got the second round of matches to come. So we're continuing our coverage ahead of match day two which starts on Tuesday. So uh, welcome uh, Aaron. Uh, Listeners to the UCL Fantasy Pod uh, free fantasy football community will be uh, well aware of uh, the other half of your main event uh, UCL Fantasy Pod so it must be nice to sort of uh, step up to the plate and uh, get a feel for what it's like for your mate Dan.
2: Yeah I think uh, Dan I mean he's had the better historical ranks but recently I've uh, had better ones so it's good to have a fair share and li- people listen to my bad opinions. Normally I help Dan out, so I'm joking. <laughs> But yeah, I think it's uh, it's thanks for the invite
1: yeah no worries well I mean the thing is uh, I, I, I said this in the match day one uh, piece as well so I'm going to say it again now full disclosure I am not a UCL fantasy player uh, at all really I think I played it once maybe a few years ago but when you're a Reading fan um, it's very hard to really think about this you know that everybody's names up in lights on those uh, those big Tuesday and Wednesday evenings because for us um, yeah we're very much in the trenches of football so it's <laughs> it's very difficult for me to get as excited about it as it is uh, for the Premier League so um, yeah I don't really know I actually don't know what I'm talking about so it's useful to have someone like yourself here to to talk through the strategy i'm just going to ask the questions i'm going to be the straight man so you mentioned that you've had some good ranks in the past um what sort of um yeah echelons of this game have you been able to uh, to reach in the last few years
2: uh, it's always kind of i wish i knew the numbers um i'm not one of them fantasy players who like tracks all their numbers uh don't cancel the show now but um <laughs> i think that it's always kind of been in and around the top 1%. And um, I think last year it was kind of like 3,000. So um, I wish... I'll, if you need it I'll send it over and you can put it in
1: the description <laughs> oh don't worry we don't, we don't need a full CV it's okay don't worry I, I realise I put you very much on the spot there but um, yeah it's just useful just to point out of course that whilst I am going to be useless for people on this you will be of course um, some use and of course uh, before we uh, get too much further just another reminder of course that the fantasy football community do have the UCL uh, Fantasy Pod you can follow them on Twitter at, at Fantasy UCL Pod and of course you can listen and subscribe to them uh, on whichever podcast platform is uh, of your choice choice. Uh but yeah, Aaron, do you want to just quickly tell us about um your regular show with Dan and uh some of the fun you get up to uh on, on that and where people can find uh that show uh, on a on a regular basis.
2: Yeah so me and Dan we uh kind of similar to what you said really we we really start the podcast the main event podcast as a way to just to keep in touch uh we were going our separate ways at work we both played uh the Champions League match so we were like there's no Champions League content out there so we created it, and basically we just go match by match, uh, quite in depth. So it's it's definitely an in depth podcast. Uh, but just again, remembering that it was a way for me and Dan to get in touch. We weren't expecting it to get the kind of a following that it did, and and we're just really happy that more Champions League content is out there now, and that the game is getting bigger and bigger. So we're we're glad to have been a part of that, and kind of the. Uh, getting that started and, and helping people out, find the game and, and give it a go.
1: Yeah, I mean, it really is a good time to be involved in, in Champions League content, as you say. I mean, it's the game has been around for a few years and certainly when I was a scout before, it was definitely on the radar, but certainly it's, um, it's right up there now. Um, there's a lot of, uh, yeah, just a lot of good progress of the competition as a whole, but also on a personal level, probably very, very exciting to also see Newcastle at the table as well, because I don't know what it is. I swear everybody who does the Champions League content for us is, is, is a Newcastle fan. I've had Mark on last week, you've had Ed on the UCL Fantasy, probably got yourself as well. Um, it's a good time to be from your part of the world, isn't it?
2: Yeah, well, we've been in Haydn, Um and then it's, as we've came out into the Champions League, it's, we've all kind of sprouted out from nowhere. Um, that me and Dan we started it, and we we always joked that we would be able to provide a neutral, non-biased view. And little did we know that in three years later, that Newcastle would be there, and we've we're still trying to take it in and try to. I guess talk about the Newcastle assets. Like the fact that we're against Paris on Wednesday is crazy. Uh Mbappe at St James's Park. That's not what we expected when the takeover first happened. But um but no, I, I think that it's it's honestly incredible the fact that Newcastle are there and who knows, maybe Redden will be there one
1: day. Oh, thanks, man. I I appreciate that. I mean, in some respects Please don't give me hope. Um, <laughs> but in other respects, we can, but dream. Of course, um, yeah, we got more chance of being in League Two next season than we do of being in Europe next season. That is, that is for sure. Um, so we will see. Fingers crossed. I'll tell you what, if you if you've got the money, Aaron, if you could just buy Reading, that would be really useful. We do, we could do with a new owner. So I'm just going to slip that in. If anyone is out there, well, to be just Newcastle must have money to spend. I'd happily be a subsidiary of Newcastle if it meant us not going bust. So, you know. It's a
2: sad, it's a sad state of affairs, but I know that's another conversation.
1: Oh, yeah, we could do a, we could do a whole pod on that. I mean, I, I could probably, if 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 I wanted to, I could probably just get a, a word in the ear of the guys at Planet FPR. I'm sure they'd let me on for a reading rant because they do love a good old rant about clubs in dire straits. So yeah, but anyway, we we digress uh, in in many ways. Um, We've got plenty of things uh, to talk about. Uh, As you mentioned, uh, Newcastle as well uh, involved in Match Day 2. And before we get any further, of course, I do have to remind people and also thank people uh, very much for nominating us for Best in Fantasy Football in the editorial department at the Football Content Awards this year. Uh, You can uh, now vote on who you would like to win all of those various categories. So if you are of such a mind that you'd like to vote for us to win that category, uh, we, of course, be very appreciative of your votes. You can find details on how to do that uh, in the description. And as I said, we're very, very grateful for the support we've had um, for the football content awards this year, um, it's uh, it, some people sort of like. I think that we just kind of do this, you know, for fun. But FPL sometimes and Champions League, you know, content it's it could be hard work if your team's not doing well. So it does mean like a whole lot when we get um, you guys um, just giving fantastic feedback and supporting us. So we, we do really, really, really uh, appreciate it. Uh, but yeah, let's let's get back onto some Champions League content now. And we have to, of course, start with how Match Day One went for yourself. Uh, I've got your team on the screen now, Aaron. Um, Eighty-six points in Match Day One, uh, already up to forty-one k. Is roughly around nine hundred thousand people playing it currently. Um, I'm going to hazard a guess that this was a positive start, um, I assume. <laughs> I hope, anyway.
2: Yeah, I mean, the fact that only Turam and Soma were the only assets that didn't get some sort of return is is positive. Um, there was a lot of kind of 50-50 decisions that really could have went against me. Uh, uh, but overall, I think it was positive it was positive, and it it's a better rank than uh, what some people that we know in the league uh, that we have in our mini league and stuff like that so yeah I I think it's a pretty good start and I don't other than captaining Bellingham on the second day I don't think it could have gone much better with the decisions that I did make
1: yeah so that was my first question was um yeah in terms of that captaincy and then also substitutions because of course um when the game week's over it sort of shows you your team as it as it finished but did you uh, try your hand with some of those guys who are currently on the bench
2: yeah so i had everybody playing um so if i i should start that on our podcast i butcher every pronunciation <laughs> uh, especially in these european teams uh, but i had ake and blaswich on uh, uh and i had two too many um to and de lorenzo on the bench but I chose to keep many on the bench because I didn't think he would outscore Haaland's five. Um, I had Haaland as captain on the first day just because the potential's there, even though Alvarez seems like the more informed player at the moment. But yeah, when it was Harry Kane, a lot of people in uh, kind of the community in the group chats that we had didn't even have Kane in the team. They went with Lewandowski instead. So I tried to double down on that, but Bellingham just had a, a, an unbelievable game and he's just in unbelievable form at the moment. So a lot of people switched from Lewandowski to Bellingham. so we ended up
1: similar finishing on similar points. Okay, yeah, that was that was my question was uh, an effective ownership one was yeah I mean you went against the grain, I guess here, but I suppose not an awful outcome because Kane's only uh, well, sorry Bellingham's only outscored Kane by two points there. So I think that's cost you, what, four points, I guess, uh, overall. And captaining someone who a lot of other people don't have, sometimes that's really beneficial if you've got the guy. Because Bellingham is is the UCL version of Haaland right now. Like, everybody's got him. Great price, great player.
2: Yeah, he's more on than Haaland, which is uh, unbelievable, 77%. It just shows how underpriced he is.
1: Yeah, no big time. It's uh, exciting to, well, especially for England fans right now to see how well uh he is doing. So any any regrets here at all from the from the match day one? I mean, the thing is, is sometimes when you get 86 points and from the the outsiders look in and go, "You shouldn't be able to complain." But we've all been there. You have an 86-point game week and you're like, "Oh, do you know what? It would have been so much better if if this had happened, that had happened. Was there anything that you perhaps might have done differently or um perhaps a good decision that created a bad outcome, you know, that that kind of thing, anything like that?"
2: So, I a lot of um, the football that I watch outside of England is in Italy. And obviously, um, before this match day, Inter had just absolutely destroyed AC Milan 5-1. So I was kind of really on the Inter train. And then what happened was Inter rotated a lot of their team. So Turam, uh, even though he did score, was offside, but he didn't even start. Um, so he... Obviously, I've got Ivanu Ucic, correct us if it's wrong. <laughs> um, but he would have been, Turam would have been Stengs at 6 million, and he got 12. And then he, uh, Ivanis Susech would have been a 5 million midfielder. Probably likely would have still stayed on the bench, but uh, Turam would have been a 12-pointer instead of a 1-pointer. So that's the only decision that went against me, because I knew I wanted one of them node midfielders. I just chose to go for Turam based on the inter performance rather than i knew fine Nord would do well it was just a shame
1: mm. yeah certainly um we're very used to those uh, sort of 50 50s that just just get away, the one that got away um, in Fantasy it can happen uh, a fair amount of time but the handy thing is of course we've got Match Day 2 coming up uh, and the thing about UCL Fantasy is that there of course is chips uh, but also uh, there's a, there's an onus to get them kind of used fairly quickly at a time when there's lots of teams still around, lots of the poorer teams too so you, you can sort of more accurately predict them and that's very much uh, the topic of discussion this week isn't it in the community about what we do with chips do we play one, uh, if we do which one um, and I think limitless is the one that's being looked at the most. What I've stuck on the screen now is uh, the first of your two bus teams, uh, which is if you don't use the chip, um, and, and I can obviously cycle through um, to show your potential limitless team if you do play it. So, do you want to, yeah, talk us through what you're thinking around around this particular strategy?
2: Yeah. So when I'm looking at the kind of the chip strategy, and I've I've spoken with Dan about it on the podcast, uh, a lot of people are using limitless. In match day two, not, and it's not to target the good fixtures because there aren't many. It's to avoid the bad ones. Um, and that I think that's a, a struggle for me. Um, I don't really like to use the Limitless in that way. Um, but if I didn't use the Limitless, I'm not a fan of the minus four. I'm likely just going to keep two players on my bench, So Shaw is the same price as Botman. I'm probably just going to keep Bottman on the bench seeing that he's injured. Um, And then Cancelo to Hakimi. And then um, Maguire would come in just because he's a 4.5 starter, uh, potentially. And so, instead of Ake. And that, I think the team is overall still in a good place. Um, Those three strikers, I think, are, are pretty solid. With Mbappe, there's question marks over his uh, kind of his health and fitness, but there was an interview just given uh, just a few moments ago, and he said that Mbappe is in perfect condition, which is uh, I don't know whether that's just sarcasm, but obviously we know the injuries that Newcastle have in defense, and going against a perfect condition Mbappe sounds very scary. Um so Haaland. Against Leipzig last season, we know what he did, and um, and then Harry, even though it wasn't away, it was at home when he did that. Um, away from home, Leipzig did well, so it is a that one's a bit of a gamble. Uh, could I go for Alvarez, for example? But Haaland's so highly owned, it, it's kind of a safe bet on that second day. And then Harry Kane against Copenhagen, Harry Kane's in great form the goals and assists, but in terms of everybody else, I I think it's pretty solid and I'd probably try and just get as much of them kind of the Bellingham, Tutameni, Sane, Di Lorenzo, Hakimi coming in I think is a great shout against, because whether it's against Target or Burn, I think Hakimi gets the better of that right side. And Maguire, Man United at home, they're not great at the moment, but I said, uh, I said to Dan that if you were attacking Man United right now, uh, what side would you look to attack on? Um in Galatasaray, the sport, the actual players that they have, they've got quite a big like household names, and um, and they would know to target Maguire. So the potential ball recoveries is is quite high for that first okay. game, and um, and that's all I'd be looking to target on there. Not not necessarily the clean sheet.
1: Yeah, it's a good point. One of the things I do really like about the UCL Fantasy game is that it does reward some of that deeper statistical stuff uh, that certainly I know appeals to a lot of the the more hardcore FPL managers, for example, because a lot of that information you can get in the members area, for example, and and can sometimes feel like information that's going to help you make decisions. Uh, but not necessarily directly reward you with points. You know, if you can identify who's having an impact in a team for clearances, blocks, interceptions, recoveries, you can perhaps sometimes work out if a defence is going to improve, for example, or if maybe uh, an important player is going to struggle in the next coming game week. But with UCL, it's a lot more of a binary relationship between those stats and points, and that's really useful Uh, and can, of course, help pick out some really interesting differentials, which I'm sure Harry Maguire must be because... (laughs) just I, I, right now Man United players nobody likes to touch them with a barge pole so it could be a nice little niche opening for some additional points couldn't it
2: yeah I think just with the, I think Galatasaray will definitely have chances I don't think Man United will control the ball same way Crystal Palace were able to so in terms of like in terms of Man United like I do think that um, because of the amount of injuries that they have the centre backs are going to be under a lot of pressure the, I think the biggest thing is, well, Maguire is 0% owned currently. I'm sure it's like no point something, but the <laughs> game doesn't show that. Uh, but Johnny Evans, 4 million is 1% owned. So wow. saving one point five there. Um, but do I really want to have Johnny Evans if I'm not using a chip? like <laughs> that? A- <laughs> That's the that's the struggle.
1: Yeah, wow, that is a that is a real flashback. As as it continues to be, Johnny Evans playing for Man United, and it seems like an elongated testimonial match for him. And just every week he's got to play again. Um, is rather an interesting time for the United defense. What I'll do is I'll stick on your potential limitless team on the screen now, because of course uh, it's worth sort of potentially planning for that, I suppose, and working out and and kind of comparing those two teams and what that's going to give you. Um, I had a little eye there, of course, on the fact that Real Madrid are playing Napoli, which I'm guessing is is a challenging fixture that's sort of going to put people off captaining Bellingham uh he's still in your limitless team but I suppose that's indicative of what you meant by avoiding some of the more challenging fixtures and so yeah who are some of the guys you're thinking of of, of moving out on a limitless chip who would you bring in Uh, he's got the nicer fixtures um as I said it's on the screen right now um so people can see but yeah um talk us through some of the main headline decisions
2: yeah, so in terms of forwards, they stay the same for me. Um, I think the biggest I think the biggest question is there's a struggle with this game, just for those who may not be aware that a lot of wingers have been classed as forwards in the game. So Rafael Liao, Rashford, and players like that are all classed as forwards. And so do I replace any of these forwards with a winger? And that that's a, a big thing. The only other forwards you're potentially looking at is Lotaro Martinez. Inter versus Benfica, nine million forward. Um, but he came on as a substitute and in 26 minutes scored four goals. Inter at home, and they have to win this match uh, against Benfica because they slipped ground against Real Sociedad in the first match day. In terms of the others, Sane stays in my team because he's missed a group stage. He picks up like 90. 90- percent of his points in the group stage and against Copenhagen I th- he's yeah i think that's a great match bellingham stays in because of his form he scores again um and just the high ownership as well it's it's the fear of missing out but also is is real madrid's best player like napoli are not looking the same team as last time if real madrid are going to win this match bellingham will probably have a part in this But also, Napoli, because they've got a lot of moving parts. DiLorenzo, Lorenzo, I think, is one of the best defenders on the game, regardless of price point. And I think that's the trap with the Limitless, is that you look to kind of just get all these expensive players in, just because I can, and trying to get the highest value or worth of team. But actually, who is the best options? I do think DiLorenzo Lorenzo is a really good option, because of the attacking potential but the ball recoveries that he gets as well. He's a really, really good defender. And I just think that in terms of, I don't know who Real Madrid are going to play on that left side, but... We know that it's not Vinicius Jr. So the potential for ball recoveries goes up because he's probably going to get the better of that one on one matchup. Um, as a result of that, Saka, I think, yeah, just addressing Arsenal. In my bus team, if I didn't use a chip, I have no Arsenal. If I did a limitless, I'd bring in three. And that's something that I would really regret missing out on against one. I, I do think that Saka, uh, obviously his fitness concerns, so that can easily be Oddi uh, but Saliba and Raya are also just looking good defensively right now, and um, I think Raya is the best goalkeeper option for that day, um, and then some of the others, just Bruno Fernandez, he does actually sneak in a few good ball recoveries because um, just kind of where he's positioned. So, I think last match day, we managed to pick up a ball recovery point, which is quite good for an attacking midfielder. He's going to be on penalties, he's going to be on free kicks. You get extra points for scoring outside the box. Um, so, against Galatasaray, where Man United are expected to dominate, um, kind of dominate possession, not necessarily dominate the match. Uh, there'll be a lot of pressure from the home fans to go out there and attack. If not, there could be a lot of pressure on Ted Hogg. I think the biggest maverick pick out of all of this is Craviskellia for Napoli because there's not the stats to kind of back up the uh like he's not in great form uh before the weekend it i it was it it hadn't scored in like a hundred almost two hundred days granted the summer was part of that but because of the defensive injuries that um kind of Re Madrid have he's gonna be Carvajal might be back fit but it's not gonna be a fully fit Carvajal. That's gonna be a really interesting match and Napoli have scored four goals in the last two games and Kravoskelia looks like he's getting back to his best. So he's gonna he's a bit of a Maverick pick of kind of a differential that I don't think many people, unless you're playing a limitless, can afford to get them in.
1: Hmm. Yeah, it's all about comparing it with what other people are going to do, for sure. Um, and I suppose perhaps um, useful against those who aren't using Limitless. U- useful probably even against those who are using it, who perhaps don't go with him, um, for the reasons you kind of outlined there. Got a bit of a gut feeling, which might or well, fingers crossed, goes uh, in a certain direction for you. So I suppose, uh, w- so what I'll do now, is I'm just going si- to stick the season ticker up on the screen that Lewis has uh, quite kindly uh, made for us for this season. Um, it's still sort of showing game weeks one through 6 but it obviously uh, highlights uh, like an absolute sea of red uh, in match day two, which, uh, you know, you've already sort of addressed there. So many difficult games and so yeah what i'm ask, asking you here is well you don't have to decide right now you've got up until the deadline of course but you you know you have balanced this idea of limitless versus no limitless um with the season ticker on the screen uh right now is there any opportunities in the future where you feel that like you might be able to leverage more points do you feel like your um bus team without the limitless chip can cope against the limitless players um yeah uh yeah, sort of a more broad question now about the decision between those two pools of players you've discussed.
2: So the, there's two ways that I'm thinking of playing it if I don't play it here. Uh, obviously, these fixtures come back around in match day five. And by that point, teams will have already qualified. So match days five and six are absolute nightmares in terms of rotation. They all, Champions League already is, as Turam was for me last week. just with the kind of abundance of fixtures that the teams have, it is quite hard to predict the kind of the rotation or potential rotation. You definitely have to look at the fixtures before and after who they play on the Champions League, um, which Arsenal's puts me off a little bit, but I'll touch on that a little bit later. So match day five, the fixtures come back around and that's where a lot of people dip in points. Uh, and I would be able to potentially get a little bit of a heads up. The only thing that puts me off doing it in match day five is, one, a lot of people are rotating. Could I get them in on a transfer instead? Could I wild card instead? Just something like that. But also the early fixtures on that day don't really give us any sort of inkling into teams I'd want to look at. Um, I can't remember from the top of my head, but that's one thing. But the second other place I would look to use it is potentially the second leg of the round of 16. Uh, That is when the most goals were scored last season and obviously Man City's uh, demolition was in that. So Limitless would be a good place there. Everyone gets kind of like a free hit anyways between the group stage and the knockouts I played the Limitless two seasons ago in the uh, in the knockout stages and managed to get like thirty or forty more points than than I did, kind of the average. Oh and nice. so, so that's kind of like a good alternative as well, where you can fit in a lot more players. Uh, but the, I think the biggest difficulty with people playing it to. Today is that they have to, like everyone who I've talked to has, has to wild card in match day three. So you end up playing two chips back to back. So it's not even just a limp match day two. They are not happy with their first team that it'll revert back to. So they have to play the wild card again. Hmm. And so, will that just seeing more, will that help? And you can see kind of the questions about method of thinking that I've got in my head at the moment. But I think that that's a big challenge. Uh, and as you can see, it's a sea of red. It's There's not many good fixtures. And this game rewards being aggressive because there's only 13 match days. Like, if FPL was only 13 weeks, like, we know how close it is, yeah. like in terms of swings, in terms of rank. So it rewards aggression. So that is also playing the two chips in the group stage very aggressive and it could it, it it normally works for those that do it so i'd um after all that long spiel <laughs> apologies um this is probably the best time to play it as long as you use your wild card and match day three to target the back-to-back fixtures uh because whatever the match whatever the fixtures are in match day three are also the fixtures in match day four and then just worry about rotation like the rest of us. Hmm.
1: Yeah, it certainly makes a lot of sense uh, to yeah really lean into the, whilst it is a sea of red for match day two, it is very much a sea of green for match day three. Uh, specifically when I say that for the sort of the big teams that you would probably want to target. So on the season ticket, the teams that um, you know uh, that are being targeted a lot, Man City, Bayern Munich, Barcelona, Man United, uh, Napoli, Real Madrid, Benfica, Inter Milan, Leipzig and Porto are the teams that have the best fixtures according to this and it is all green for them in match days 3 and 4 and of course you wildcard then you basically get two shots at the same team in theory so um, if, you, if you value match day 3 you of course value match day 4 as well so that could that could work out and yeah I think that's very very helpful uh, presenting there the pros and cons there of, of which uh, way round uh, managers decide to play those chips and yeah just making sure you consolidate that um that limitless with the wild card at the right time. Uh, I I I haven't played that much UCL fantasy but I have played the Euros games and the World Cup games and it's the same kind of thing when you have a group stage and then you have a knockout you know the the quality of opponents for every team goes up kind of exponentially after the groups are out of the way so yeah you you make up the most of your points in the in the group stage when other people have the opportunity to choose different players to you. And then by the end, you're all kind of picking the same one. So you've got to get it done early, haven't you, for sure. So yeah, let's move on now to captaincy for um, this, uh, this second match day, which is, is, is probably more of a, uh, it, it, it deserves a lot of discussion for a number of reasons, not only because there may be a, a sort of spread of captains based on limitless versus no limitless. We've also got challenging fixtures for some of the better teams as well. Um, and so yeah, there could theoretically be lots of different captains this week. So let's have a look at the fixtures specifically so i'll go through them for those of you who um perhaps aren't aware i mean you probably are but just sort of remind people of course you have the opportunity of switching your captain from the tuesday games to the wednesday games so it's worth looking at the tuesday games in isolation than the wednesday games in isolation so um I think I've got them on the screen in sort of chronological order rather than group order. So the early games are Union Berlin versus Braga and Salzburg versus Real Sociedad. And then eight o'clock, we've got Man United hosting Galatasaray, Copenhagen against Bayern Munich, Lons against Arsenal, PSV against Sevilla, Napoli against Real Madrid and Inter Milan versus Benfica. So um, yeah, who stands out as a decent captain from, from these games? And then we can come on to Wednesday in a second.
2: So I think the biggest like positive with this game is that you can take a massive gamble with your captain so I think the first thing is the safer captains probably buy Munich assets against Copenhagen I think missed Mr group stage um he's the one of the only buying players not injured uh so that's a positive hurricane there also the biggest thing that you'd say is that maybe Copenhagen grab a goal maybe um but in terms of the others, I'd say Arsenal assets are probably potentially safer, but they've got Man City on the weekend. So I said I was going to touch on that. That I think if they end up scoring a few in the first half, I would not be surprised to see early transfers, uh, oh, sorry, early substitutes. Um, But just preparing for that Man City game, or even seeing a little bit of rotation anyways to prepare for Man City. Um. So that that's the bit that scares me the most. So even though I think whoever starts for that game will have a good game, it's because it's the eight o'clock fixture. We will not kind of see the lineup before the deadline as we will for the quarter six ones UK time, obviously. Um, I think Man United are too risky at the moment. But how big and how brave you want to go? Uh, this is a great opportunity to target a few wing backs. Uh, which is one of the advice that we always give on the podcast because attack and returns, ball recoveries, clean sheets, their ceiling is the highest, and then you can obviously go safe with a Wednesday captain if it doesn't pay off. So Union Berlin, Robin Gersons, 5 million. Uh, he scored, I think, three goals so far this season um, and got a, a few assists as well. Against Braga, I think that's a really punty captain, but it could massively pay off if it goes right. You've got the Inter wing-backs, Dumfries. uh, Obviously, you'll know from the Euros game uh, how much of an asset he can be. DeMarco, uh, it just depends on whether Benfica can score past them. But Inter are, are great defensively as well. Um. So, yeah, I think... My personal ones, I would go for Sarni uh, as my go-to if I want to just get the points. Um, but punty ones like Di Lorenzo uh, and uh, kind of an Arsenal asset, uh, I think I'll put as well. And Gerson's is probably my maverick go-to captain if you just want to have a little fun. <laughs>
1: Yeah, which in many many ways, the UCL Fantasy game is is that for people because it it feels it's a shorter game. There's only 13 game weeks, even though, of course, the season lasts longer. And you probably don't think about it quite as much as your FPL team because it's not a weekly thing. Um, It's definitely an opportunity just to sort of... As you mentioned there, you can take the risk a little bit more with a UCL fantasy captain because you get that chance to switch it. And I think some people in the past have said they'd love to see that brought to FPL. And and the Sky Sports Premier League game is is a bit like that as well. You know, you have sort of daily captains and things like that gives you the opportunity to just sort of just play a little bit more. You know, you've just got more levers to pull um, that can lead to a big haul that makes you feel good. Um, And, you know, really when we drill down to it, that's kind of what FPL and uh, UCL Fantasy is all about, is predicting games and uh, perhaps something that that you've predicted that your mates thought wouldn't necessarily happen comes off. There's not many things that beat that feeling uh, for sure. So, yeah, some definite opportunities uh, for Tuesday. Um, Let's move to Wednesday now, which uh, the Wednesday captains, obviously it's always... The the fun that we've talked about there is, is less um, important here because Wednesday is your is your contingency plan and you obviously want to have quite a solid contingency plan compared to um, your first one and so yeah let's just go through these fixtures here and then yeah pick out a couple of uh, games where there's perhaps a golfing class between the two opponents so Atletico Madrid are hosting Feyenoord and Antwerp hosts Shakhtar, Shakhtar Donetsk in the two early games. Then it's Celtic against Lazio uh, up in Scotland. Dortmund host uh, AC Milan. Uh, we've already talked about it. St. James's Park is going to be rocking big time because uh, Mbappe and his colleagues of PSG are coming to uh, the northeast. Then we've got Leipzig hosting Man City. Uh, we've got Red Star Belgrade against Young Boys. And, and also, I, I can't remember if I mentioned this on the first one, but I honestly had no idea that uh, Servena Vedza was Red Star Belgrade. I thought it was some team that had never competed in European football before because I just hadn't done my research. It was Super 6 where I really embarrassed myself. On my Super 6, I put like 6-0 Man City. Oh, yeah. If I'd have known it was Red Star Belgrade, I'd have been like, well, no, because they, they're a tough-to-beat team. So, yeah, um, up against Young Boys and then FC Porto against Barcelona. So, uh, yeah, for anyone else out there who didn't realize that is an actual fact Red Star Belgrade, you know now. Uh, but, yeah, so the game's there. Um, anything particularly leap out here? And, uh, yeah, as I said, it's, it's probably going to be um, – you're going to want some more sure bets here.
2: Yeah, so I think the obvious ones is Haaland. Obviously, he had that absolute goal haul against Leipzig last year. Granted, that was at home. Uh, Man City and Leipzig play each other. I think they've played each other the last three Champions Leagues. And uh, it is normally when it's in Germany, it's it's a lot tighter of a game. Um, obviously, I know we um, and people who play FPL look into the Man City home and away form, especially with Haaland. But I think there isn't a safer captain bet than Harland. Obviously Alvarez is in the better form. So it depends on how you want to go with that. But in terms of how highly owned Harland is, if you just want to kind of, if your punt didn't pay off, the likelihood is everyone switching their seat to Harland, their punt didn't pay off either. So it's a good way to just consolidate um, and kind of just stick with the crowd. So it depends on kind of how you want to look at it. Uh, with Obviously Mbappe playing against a injured Newcastle, granted it is away from home and obviously Paris Saint-Germain, they've, they've lost against worse teams in the French League compared to Newcastle, but it'll be interesting to see what effect the injuries uh, has on Newcastle, but also the home crowd has on Newcastle, um, but I'm not, obviously I don't want to say Captain Mbappe when it's against <laughs> my team, but... If there ever was an opportunity if if you put any other team in there where you said their best defenders injured their left back is actually a center back who mm-hmm. can't run <laughs> um you'd probably say hakimi and bappe against that team regardless of who it was so I've got to say that Lewandowski. i think a few people will have uh him in their team But I think a lot of people will get him out because of the limitless. I don't see many people keeping him against Porto. So just something to bear in mind. But I think they're the kind of the go-tos with the safest kind of points floor, as as I would call it, is where they're probably going to get five points. um, And it'll also help me stick with the crowd. So they're kind of the safe bets. I wouldn't necessarily suggest mad picks on the second day because if you're switching your captain, you're chasing a Um, ceiling. So, yeah. I I don't think there's many... Someone talked to me recently about the dortmund Milan game, obviously Milan are in good form. But I thought Dortmund played quite well in the last game against Paris Central Man. And I think they... Even though Paris Central Man had a few goals disallowed because of offside, I I do think Dortmund... Maybe a bit. You can't take them for granted. And Milan showed that they couldn't put away Newcastle, even though they had 20-plus shots. So I I think that one game is too risky to pick a, a captaincy from there. Um, But someone mentioned it to me earlier, and that's kind of my response to that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um last week you well, not last week, lost match week you were probably very happy that AC Milan couldn't put their chances away. Um you'll be hoping for something similar from, from PSG this time around. And yeah, just to, to go into that Newcastle current uh, injury situation. Uh, Botman has got this knee injury and we're hearing that he's unlikely to be fit until after the international break, which of course is bad for the FPL teams as well. Uh, Joe Linton is probably also a big miss as well because it's not just a miss from midfield, uh, a miss from defence, sorry, with Botman losing uh, Joe Linton as well who has been very, very good in midfield. It's a hamstring injury that he picked up against Burnley so that muscle injuries, we don't mess with those when you're a football manager um, even if the game uh, is a big one. Uh, they're probably the probably the two biggest ones. Uh, but as you said there, Dan Byrne is not in the team to compete with fast people. <laughs> uh, no. So it could it could be very, very interesting. I was actually going to ask you, uh, was not sure, obviously being in the area, have you got tickets for this game or are you going to be among the many Newcastle fans who perhaps missed out because it was very oversubscribed? Uh,
2: unfortunately, I missed out. Um, the kind of ticketing system is a totally different conversation, but unfortunately I wasn't able to get one. Um, but it, I, I've I've personally found it impossible to get tickets. So I know a lot of people have been lucky. Dan, uh, who I do the podcast with, is going. Um, so he's went to AC Milan and now going to Paris. So hopefully, I'll get a go to a Chinese League
1: match <laughs> soon. Yeah, I mean. I don't want to sort of um, downplay it but but being able to watch it on TV probably is also still fairly cool because you know it is that sort of shop window of uh, elite football and, and there you are playing against these big teams so you, you may still find some enjoyment I hope
2: even just hearing the anthem like <laughs> I reacted like uh, Jacob Murphy but I don't want to go too much into Newcastle but with all the references, but yeah, that I don't know if anyone's seen that video where he's just grinning from ear to ear. He normally does, anyways. He has he's got a lot of facial expressions, <laughs> but I think uh, that's how we were all reacting just hearing the anthem. So, uh, yeah, it is it is surreal in it. From what I've seen on Twitter as well, there's oh, X apologies. <laughs> uh, there's going to be a big drone display as well. So, they're really going all out for this.
1: Yeah, it's going to be good. Well, fingers crossed you get the, the result that you, you want. My one thing when it comes to Champions League uh, is as uh, someone who is an England fan and supports uh, English teams, I, I always like to see the English teams do well. And I got a little bit of a hate from that in the comments. They were like, wait, you want Liverpool to do well in Europe? You want Man City and Chelsea to do well? Like, I, I don't know. It's just the people that I watch in uh, in, in regular um, sort of Premier League football and, and, and back their players quite a lot on FPL, I like to see them do well in Europe. So yeah, not that it makes any difference coming from a Reading fan, but you've got you've got my blessing for, for this game as <laughs> well.
2: Thank you. I think a lot of people use the Champions League to compare the strength of leagues, which uh, yeah. it's a really interesting debate. So I feel like when you want English teams to do well, it kind of validates your league, like it yeah. validates your competition. So you're like, oh yeah, like we're playing against the best teams in Europe, and um, or we have the best teams in Europe. Yeah, so I think it kind of validates the league. So you kind of want it from that perspective. But I do see kind of the the dangers in comparing strength of leagues because I would say even though Real Madrid and Barcelona have won it for a long time, I do not think that La Liga has been the strongest league that in that period. So I think it's an interesting debate.
1: Oh, yeah. And it, it will never finish. It's a debate that will go on until the end of time. Uh, in the words of uh, David Mitchell, um, it will never be finally decided who has won the football. and um, So it will continue uh, forever. Um, that's uh, just about all, all the time we've got uh, for today. But before we go, uh, just another reminder, of course, that you can catch uh, Aaron's friend Dan, uh, his podcast partner, on our other UCL Fantasy Pod, which, of course, uh, is uh, with Fantasy Football Community. Um, and, yeah, they've got regular episodes and are able to go into even more detail than they can on than we can on these videos because I don't know what I'm talking about Um, and so you can follow them on x uh, at at fantasy UCL pod uh, or you can find them uh, as the UCL fantasy pod uh, on the podcast platform that you uh, subscribe to so yeah uh, that's everything uh, from me Aaron unless there's anything you uh, wanted to add perhaps a a quick away the lads uh, just for good luck or uh, anything before we finish
2: Uh, I won't embarrass myself (laughs) uh, (laughs) mostly because I've got a few people looking at me yeah uh, but yeah oh okay
1: I'll, uh, I'll... we'll keep we'll keep it, win the the it lads. yeah no, oh there we, there we go he's gone for it he's gone for it well there we go well on that fantastic note uh we shall leave you fine folks To enjoy the rest of your fantasy tinkering and we will see you next time goodbye